Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're you're about about to get get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 177 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, episodes 31 through 33, where Mustang harangues Ed over a tiny amount of money. Kimberly eats rocks, and Ed is attacked by a man with a chainsaw hand. Look, he's got chainsaw hands, but he's not the chainsaw man. Chainsaw Man is a very different manga that's going to be turned into an anime adaptation that I am going to watch a lot of. And that is all. Anyway, let's jump in. I uh, I have to admit that I am a little disappointed that you didn't make an Army of Dead reference or an Army of the Dead or whatever the fuck that one is. You never know where I'm going. Let me do a goog. Now, am I conflating these two? Shit. Army of the Dead. That's not it. No, that's the 2021 Zack Snyder stuff. I haven't seen that one yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, what is it? It's um the Sam Raimi movie, right? There was... Uh, Sam Raimi. This is very important to me. <laughs> Look. It's the, and it gets the chainsaw hand. You know what I'm talking about? Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness. Yep. You you nailed it. <laughs> I'm smart. Yep. Anyways. So, hey, everybody. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, if, you, if you haven't heard from our previous announcements, there was a Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood game that was announced. Uh, it's apparently a board Twitter. game. Oh, that's still. Oh, we covered that last time, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we already talked about that one. I'm here to talk about uh, the most recent news, which is very, very new, which is uh, the cast of the One Piece live action movie for Netflix just got released yeah. today. Um, I saw that actually yesterday. I think I watched it last night before bed. Yeah i i uh, I have been seeing a lot of people that are just completely shit canning it already and i'm like oh wow i i I don't agree with that at all uh one of the reasons why is because i feel like i don't know any of these actors and that's kind of exciting uh yeah so it's not being like shoehorned in a big name actor or a actress uh i'm looking at you eternals for no reason (laughs) i liked the eternals Dude, I liked the Eternals too, but there were two actors that were not as good as the other actors, and they just happened to be the two biggest named actors. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> um, I was like, I was yeah, like, Salma I, Hayek, fine, but Angelina Jolie, get out of this movie. <laughs> I liked Salma Hayek; I thought she was doing good work. But yeah, Angelina Jolie, but her part was weird. Yeah, no. Uh, I don't know. So I'm not sure if it was her or if it was her part. Um, there, That was, yeah, I, that was a good movie that had a lot of weird choices in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I um, just, I, I was very confused why they thought that they needed star power attached to it. Uh, you would have thought that they would have already learned that they actually don't need star power attached to any Marvel property anymore. And all the Marvel people yeah, will you, see it. You make stars. You don't need stars. Yeah, I mean... And isn't it more fun to make someone a name instead of to just take someone that already has one? I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I watched the One Piece thing. Uh, what I saw, I don't know if this is what you saw, I saw the video where, like, it's sort of the five 
original Straw Hat Pirates all introducing themselves, like I am so and so, and I'll be playing this character. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it looks like a a really uh, diverse cast, which I'm sure is going to get some hot takes. They're not all Asian, but uh, I I don't know. I think it looks good. It looks like a good Western adaptation, if you ask me. Uh, just based off of that, I saw. I think it was on the. I don't remember what subreddit it was on, but I saw it on Reddit. The comments were overwhelmingly positive, actually, which I was really surprised by. And a lot of them were pointing out like, oh, these actors look great. They look really enthusiastic. I've heard that, you know, this actor is really into One Piece. So that's good news. All that kind of stuff. I think a lot of the concerns that I've seen about the live action series are the fact that like, you know, the manga is, I think, 1,000 30 chapters old and still going at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you talk to people who are really into one piece, they will let you know that everything is like important and brilliant and genius and nothing must be left to the wayside. Mm-hmm. And the thing about this live action adaptation is that those cannot be your expectations for it going in. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You need to be happy with the fact that the manga and anime are going to be one thing. And this is going to be a different thing that is inspired by that one thing. Yeah. And, uh, and it, from that perspective, I think, it, you know, it looks like it's off to a good start. Yeah. And it, I will say it is also intriguing that uh, apparently there was a, a manga revelation of what the nationalities are of the characters inside of one piece, or at least what they were based off of. Um, and uh-huh. it looks like it was broken down as to Luffy was, uh, Brazil, Zoro, Japan, Nami, Sweden, Usopp, Africa, Sanji from France, chopper from Canada, Robin, Russia, Frankie, America, and Brooke from Austria. So it's just oh, kind of like a it it's kind of like a, a breakdown and that's that's from it looks like it's from Oda himself. So um you know. So he's sort of like pulling on like cultural ideas as part of the character design and inspiration for those people. Yeah, so I mean it looks like that's that's kind of the thing cuz I mean obviously they're not from they're not from our earth, you know, like right. So so anyways. Yeah. Which is, you know, is totally a tricky conversation to have. I know this came up a lot when the uh, the Avatar The Last Airbender movie uh, first came out, the M. Night Shyamalan one, and it came up again around the Avatar series that is forthcoming on Netflix, which is like, you know, these, are, these seem to be non-white characters who have, you know, fantasy cultures that are sort of based around non-white cultures. And there were a lot of white actors played cast to play those characters. And so there's that concern of cultural appropriation. There's that concern of, um, you know, white actors already have a ton of opportunities. Here are characters of color that you are, you know, are, are providing some of those much rarer opportunities for actors of color to get work. And you're just turning them into more white characters and sort of taking that away from people who already don't have as much. Um, there are a lot of interesting discussions to be had. I suspect that we will start to see some of those around the multicultural cast here because it is a Japanese property and, you know, anime characters are often assumed unless otherwise stated to be Japanese. Um, and I think that there's merit in that thinking, but I, I really dig the sort of multicultural cast. I think it looks, it looks good. 
Um, so, you know, I, I, I will be excited to keep my eyes on this with uh, sort of a cautiously positive expectations similar to the ones that we've had around um, the Cowboy Bebop series that's about to come out. Yeah. Uh, also, I have some other news. I hadn't gotten around to putting some news on the uh, sheet, so I have one other article that I pulled up from Collider that is the Yu Yu Hakusho live action series is coming to Netflix in 2023. Um, so that's a lot of information about just the Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, so the show was originally announced last year. Um, the, the, uh, writer of this article on Collider suspects that they are just now starting to film the series because of delays related to the pandemic. So there's a little bit of hearsay in here. Um, mostly this is about the, um, the manga and anime series and kind of giving people an idea of what that is like if you are not familiar with it. And, you know, setting your expectations, I guess, for a, a you know, forthcoming live action series. Uh, but at the end, it says uh, we don't know a lot. There's no cast. There's no directors. There's no writers that have been announced. Uh, but we know that it will be live action and we know that it will be released in 2023. And that is thanks to a uh, an official announcement from Netflix. It looks like that was um, tweeted out. So. Uh, not a lot of information to go on, but we have a vague release date for, oh, not next year, but uh, almost next year. It's awfully close to 2022. Yeah. Anyways, um, with all that being said, we do have to cover some episodes today of a great anime. And uh, Blake, can you remind us uh, what happened previously on Bell Metal Alchemist Brotherhood? Yes, this is a story uh, focusing on two brothers. They are uh, Edward and Alphonse Elric. It's just they called are, Two Brothers. Yes, just called Two Brothers. It's uh, They are um, young alchemists. In this world, an alchemist is someone who um, can sort of tap into a magical force to transmute one substance into another. So, like, you can, you know, you can do alchemy to pull a you know stone spe- spear out of the cobblestone street around you stuff like that you can you know snap your fingers and shoot fire off there's all kinds of cool shit you can do um ed and al are sort of atypically young to be so atypically good at alchemy if that makes sense they work as what's called a state alchemist because they live in a semi-dictatorial europeanish nation with a ruler named the Fuhrer. Well, not named the Fuhrer, that's his title. But uh, the their Fuhrer is um, a, a seemingly affable man who has been revealed to be much more villainous than all that. Uh, he leads the military. The military has, uh, has alchemists in its employ as part of the military. Um, they're called state alchemists. Uh, Ed is a state alchemist. I guess Alphonse is not actually a state alchemist. He is just Ed's partner and so is around a lot. But uh, Ed became a state alchemist because doing so would give him much more resource accessibility. So he, as a state alchemist, is given uh, a what seems like a pretty healthy stipend. And he is given access to a lot of like libraries and travel and research opportunities that they wouldn't necessarily have otherwise. The reason this is important is because Ed is missing one of his arms and one of his legs and Alphonse is missing his entire body. He is actually a disembodied soul that has been bonded by, via blood seal to a giant suit of armor. 
Uh, and this is because they attempted to do something that you're really not supposed to do in alchemy. And uh, alchemy has this rule called equivalent exchange, where if you want to, you know, use alchemy to transform something, it has to it has to have an e equal exchange of sort of equivalently valuable items. They were trying to essentially create a human life, more or less. And so uh, Alphonse's body was taken as the sacrifice for this. They did not realize that was going to happen. They regretted it, and they're trying to fix it. Um, Ed and Al lost his arm and leg in that process as well. And uh, so they are on a quest to get their bodies back. They want to do it by finding this thing called the Philosopher's Stone, which is supposed to supercharge alchemists and allow them to bypass the rules of equivalent exchange. And so that's sort of what set them on the path of becoming uh, associated with the military so that they could find that information. Unfortunately, there's a lot of other stuff going on with the military. There's a bit uh, a guy named... Um, Colonel Mustang, although didn't he get a promotion recently? Or maybe I'm misremembering that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just going to call him Colonel Mustang. And uh, I think he's like Brigadier General Mustang or something now, but it, it's Colonel. Uh, so Mustang is um, a mostly friendly. He He's the kind of protagonist that is not like friends with Ed and Al, but has worked closely with them and has um, similar goals. And so he is often a uh, a helping hand a co-protagonist with them even though he is sort of technically working uh on something else and working to his own ends uh he has a large group of um soldiers that are very loyal to him including a woman named Risa Hawkeye who has been his right-hand woman recent uh, uh has been his right-hand woman for a long time recently the Fuhrer uh, decided to promote Mustang and also split up all of his underlings. So basically his entire sort of unit that he had pieced together to start working on uh, essentially undermining the Fuhrer uh, was separated and sent to like station military stations all across the world so that they're not connected to each other anymore. Um, the uh, Fuhrer is part of a group called the Homunculi, um, they are immortal beings, although the Fuhrer is a new type of homunculi that's only semi-immortal. And uh, as far as I can recall, or as far as I understand, um, the homunculi are in general um, artificially created humans. They are created utilizing philosopher's stones, and those philosopher's stones provide them with, uh, you know, essentially immortality. You can break the philosopher's stone, but it's very difficult to do. Uh, I believe the Fuhrer is slightly different because he was a human at first. He was imbued with a Philosopher's Stone, and upon surviving that process, he was allowed. Uh, he he was sort of half reborn as a as a homunculi. So he's aging at a relatively normal human rate, I believe, and will in theory eventually die. But he is also given like extra powers because of being a homunculus. Um, in this country, there is a neighboring country that I believe is sort of like a territory or has been has been conquered by the country uh, of Resimble that um, uh, or sorry, the country of Amestris that uh, Ed and Al and all our protagonists are, and antagonists are part of. Um, that is Ishval. The Ishvalans are uh, a sort of darker skinned nomadic people. They have a more desert lifestyle. It seems like they're sort of modeled off of. Um, like the Middle East a little bit. And um, they were, the, the the military of a mistress essentially went on a sort of genocidal civil war against the Ishvalans. It was a really bad thing. It happened 
um, probably around the time that Ed and Al were born or were young children. So it's it's relatively recent in the world of the show because they're in their teens. Um, Scar is one of the uh, Ishvalans who survives. I mean, there's there's a lot of Ishvalans left, but there were a lot of them that were killed in this war. And their kind of culture and home, home and uh, way of life has been devastated. Scar was given... He, he lost an arm, but his brother had reattached his own arm onto Scar's body. And that arm has all these tattoos on it that sort of have allowed it to utilize alchemy. But uh, the process of alchemy breaks things down and then reforms them into a new shape or substance. And this arm, just as the first part, it just breaks things down and doesn't bother to reform them. So it's sort of like a disintegration arm. And uh, Scar has been going around killing state alchemists, but as he's been more and more involved in the goings-on and and had more and more run-ins with the homunculi who are working at some sort of mysterious end, uh, Scar has started to find that he's a little bit more bent directly on finding out information about his brother than on killing state alchemists because it was state alchemists that, that caused a lot of harm to his family and people. Uh, one of these state alchemists is named Marco. He's being held by the homunculi. Scar found him at the end of our last episode's worth of coverage and was presumed to have killed him. Uh, Kimbley is another one who was one of the state alchemists who was atypically sadistic about the Ishvalan civil war and was consequently very responsible for a lot of deaths in said civil war. Uh, and I think I maybe neglected one or two other characters, but, you know, it's a it's a complicated show with a lot of moving pieces, and we've covered a lot of those. So let's go ahead and pop into episode 31. Yeah, episode 31 is called The 525 Sins Promise. This one is all about... Uh, 520 Sins Promise, 6,000 Minutes. No, it's not about that. Is that what we're... It's not about it at all. Oh. Um, anyways, uh, so Mustang's whole group has been completely broken up and sent out to other random places and he is mad about that and they're all saying their goodbyes. Um, and, uh, and they're, they're like, I will remember Stop, you. stop all of this. It's gotta, what? it's gotta be over. Anyways, um, the uh, Ed and Al are going to be searching for uh, May and Shomei, uh and trying to lurk, learn what Alka history is in order to find out about that. They're going to try to read a whole bunch of books, but first they're going to yeah, they look around in- for them. They ran into the guy that's been behind all the homunculi the last time we covered Fulmel Alchemist. And uh, during their conflict with him, he somehow turned off their alchemy. Like mm-hmm. alchemy is just a thing that works. And then all of a sudden it wasn't working. And upon returning to the surface, uh, after that conflict, they discovered that other alchemists who weren't involved in that conflict had their alchemy turned off as well. I'm not sure if there's a radius established for some reason. I was under the impression that it was basically everybody in the city, but it, it may have just been all alchemy and I might just be misremembering that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big thing being that, uh, Xiaomei, or sorry, May, Xiaomei's the panda, right? May is the little girl. She uses Alka Hestri, which seems awfully similar, but for some reason was not turned off. And also Scar's arm, which as far as we know was alchemy, and it just only does, you know, part one of two of alchemy. Uh, it also was not turned off. So there's something going on and they're like, well, we need to find these people and figure out what it is about 
that, that that allowed them to bypass this restriction. Ed says something really interesting, which is basically like, because we learned that, we are not, we haven't hit a dead end yet. And I liked that. I like that perspective. It was really cool. Um, and they decide to go after May because um, Scar has repeatedly tried to murder them, and they figure probably May will be easier to talk to. Yeah, um, the whole the whole reason that this episode is named this, by the way, is because there's going to be a conversation that uh, Ed has with Mustang, which is basically that he owes him five hundred and twenty cents, which he says he'll get back when he becomes the Fuhrer, and then he's like, and then uh-huh. after you become the Fuhrer, I'm going to request more money, and that's. Um, I will pay that back to you when you make uh, this country a democracy. So it's like um, basically Ed's way of saying that I'm never going to let you off the hook from uh, achieving goals that are going to be helping, which is also his way of saying that he's the person that he thinks is going to be able to lead this country into the future. Um, And I I think that's a a cool way to do this. Um, There's also a ridiculous nice thing that is happening with Mustang, which is that he is going to send a covert letter to um, commanding officer Grunman or Grumman. And uh, in order for commanding officer Grumman is going to respond by foisting his fetish on everyone. Yeah. Which is to dress up like an old lady and wander (laughs) through the town until he gets to it's so good. It's like, it's actually great because you're like, yeah, he's being incognito and he it's not he's not weird about it. He's just like being in character and trying to be not look like who he looks like usually. And then like he has this moment where he's like talking in a in a affected voice to sound a little bit more like an old lady and then he gets like really serious and talks in his regular voice. And it's like goofy, but you're also like it's not quite played for laughs. Like it's not at Grumman's expense even though characters like Mustang find it to be funny, like to the point that Mustang turns away and is stifling a laugh at one point in their conversation. Mm -hmm. But like Grumman is taking this very seriously. It's super interesting. The other thing that I wanted to talk about with uh, the Grumman thing was that yes, Envy Envy went and released Kimberly because Kimberly is, uh, is, you know, somebody that they want to put on the front line for them to catch scar and also be crazy. And we also find out that Kimley was just like, I hid this uh, this philosopher's stone in my stomach when I was running away from people. Yeah. He and keeps eating it like that one episode of Cowboy Bebop. My favorite thing about the thing that happens with Kimley, though, <laughs> is that Kimley at one point is going to walk past Grumman and he's just like, that woman was mysterious. I don't know why, but I don't have time to deal with that right now. <laughs> yeah. I am working and it's not a job that involves that woman. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that was pretty good. I forgot about that. Yeah. They uh, also, Kimberly is interesting. Kimberly is that I would say he's a bit of an anime stereotype, which is that he is the villain who is a villain because he is such a sadist that he just really loves killing. Mm-hmm. He, he's very much the, Oh boy, here I go. killing again guy. Yeah. And he his whole motivation is just to do fucked up shit and he he's a little bit maybe more interesting than that because he is often he, he the the last time he did fucked up shit he was doing it for the military. And they did throw him in jail eventually because they were like I think you went too far. Uh but you know, he he had sort of like uh not diplomatic immunity, but he was he was doing he was 
indulging in these sadistic desires with like the endorsement of the people in power. And now he's been released by the homunculi who he does not seem particularly surprised to see. And uh, he once again is sort of given the weight of the military behind him and is set free to go on like a murder mission. And it's cool because he is that sort of sadistic bastard trope, which is fun, but not particularly complicated, but that little extra wrench of like him having sort of like the authority of the, at least nominally good state is really interesting and gives that character a lot more nuance. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that's going to be happening inside of this episode is that we are going to get a connection again between Fu and Lan Fan. Um, they're going to talk about how this doctor saved them and they were so happy um, that he he saved her from dying. Um, they um, lament over her lost arm, but they t- tell Ed now that they are not going to let their friends get involved in this because that would put them right in the line of fire. And also, we find out at the end of this that Marco is actually still alive. Um, it looked like in the previous episode that Scar blew him up, um, but it turns out that uh, Marco turned a uh, homunculus that, or not a homunculus, but a um, a chimera that was guarding him into yeah. a uh, body that looked like his body or his dead body would look and then they wrote vengeance on the wall to on a chimera and exploded it yeah basically um and that takes us into episode 32 the fuhrer son um this episode uh doesn't have a lot of um other things inside of it other than a a very long visit to the fuhrer's house um but yeah uh, other things i that actually happen. think all three all three of these episodes feel very much like slow burn continuations on a lot of moving pieces Mm -hmm. that have already been established. And they definitely introduce some new things like Scar and Marco are off on a journey. Kimberly is off after them. Ed and Al are going to go to a new location and meet some new characters. Mm -hmm. Like there's definitely stuff happening and that stuff is new, but in a lot of ways, this feels like a bit of a, denouement from the stuff that has been happening before because it was a lot of big stuff and they're they're sort of like resettling and then shifting their focus and that i think is what we're really doing here yeah um this was really cool this was a really interesting episode though like because ed and al there's all this stuff about them finding out that they're going to go to the north from armstrong um, this is also actually technically the episode where the stuff with Grumman happens where he like goes to meet Mustang. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Ed and Al run into Salim, who is this, I don't know, like 10 year old or so kid that is the, the son of the Fuhrer. And he is like super starstruck to meet them because they are somewhat famous um, for being, you know, he, Ed is the youngest state alchemist, I think in history. And Alphonse walks around in a giant suit of armor all day because he actually just is a giant suit of armor. And uh, they they just have a sort of uniqueness to them that has attracted attention. And Salim is freaking out and is like, you have to come home with me and hang out. And they're like, well, 
we actually secretly know that your dad is like a crazy villain who might kill us at any moment. So we would love not to do that, but we can't say that to you because you're a child. So I guess we'll just go. Yeah. Uh, the conversation at the house where they get wrapped up into turns into just be like um, Salim being like, I want to be an alchemist too. And his dad being like, don't do that. And it's very tense. Um, uh-huh. So that's basically he all also- that happens there. <laughs> You do find out that Salim is adopted because, um, but we found out we found that out children. beforehand, though. Um, they talked about that in oh, a previous I, episode. I may have forgotten it, but you know, it bears repeating. I, I thought that was interesting because we know that the Fuhrer was a human, but he turned into a homunculus. So it's like, okay, well, was it that he wasn't able to have kids because of that process, or like what was going on? Mm. So Salim's adopted. Uh, they also they they just have like some innocuous conversations but there's a lot of tension to it Mm -hmm. and i really enjoy scenes like that where it just feels like characters are talking around the you know ticking time bomb that they're all sitting on top of and i enjoyed that a lot yeah Um, so i i would agree there's not a lot here there is one moment where the fuhrer seems like he gets some information that raises an eyebrow about what ed and al are up to Mm -hmm. uh after asking Salim a, a seemingly innocuous question. But like for the most part, I think what's fun here is just like watching that tension simmer underneath the kind of banal small talk. Yeah. Also Al, you know, before this to re- reveal to Salim without any hesitation at all, exactly what he was doing. So Salim basically knows everything that they're up to because, you know, Al is a yeah. child and uh, just opens up to other children, I guess, whatever. Um, Meanwhile, yeah, there's a shell they game do going hide on. Hide the fact, they yeah, they hide the fact that uh, that uh, um, that they are researching alkahestry so they can fight homunculi because he's like, well, Salim's a kid; he doesn't need to know that there are like immortal monstrosities running around underneath the city. But uh, you know, he does reveal that they are researching alkahestry and gives a bullshit reason for doing so. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, that's not not relevant yeah okay so the shell game that's also happening at the same time is that may is running around with a hooded person and so is uh scar so they have broken up um and both of them have a hooded person with them that may or may not be marco um so scar is caught first on the on a bridge um he has uh gunmen to the left and gunmen to the right um he is standing with possibly a hostage which is could be the only reason that they don't immediately start shooting because i'm pretty sure they told him um he's supposed to be shot on sight um but they yeah they, although they are also at risk of shooting each other so maybe that might be part of it yeah but they wait for a uh a, a very plot relevant train to come by and throw up smoke so that yeah. they can jump onto the train so that happens um and yeah me- and the train goes by and then he's gone and they're like where did he go and i'm like probably a fucking train <laughs> Okay, um, and that takes us into uh, the the last big thing that happens, which is that the Elrecs are going to get on a train and start to head north because they have been told by Major Armstrong that uh, his uh, another Armstrong is leading up north and then you need, need to go meet with uh, Captain Buccaneer Armstrong. Um, and, uh, yeah. His... Or, hard-ass older sister yeah yeah there this this episode and the next one is really trains trains and trains and mobiles yeah it's just a lot of train yeah there's a there's a, a pretty sweet fight that happens in the next episode this next one is called the northern wall of briggs um 
where uh, Kimberly and Scar are going to get into a fight on the train. Um, and it, it looks like fight. it's going to be a good fight. Um, but it turns out that it's just a, a quick bunch of explosions. And then Kimberly is going to be like, I'm going to throw my hat up into the air and not pay attention to, oh, God, I've been impaled by a pole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would argue that this is a good fight that is just a fast fight mm-hmm. that like doesn't end with a resolution like they are definitely going to have to have a rematch at some point uh but it's a good it's like a good opening salvo in the fact that they are now kind of in a certain a version of direct conflict with each other yeah um there's also a better fight which i would argue which would be ed and al are going to arrive north and um are attacked by this guy with a big giant metal arm as well. Um, that's got a big weapon attached to it. Um, as Blake alluded like to in our opening. He calls it the crocodile. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, yeah. And uh, the the last big thing is that um, they, they have the big giant wall that they're going to see and they're going to be like, Oh, this is a big giant wall. And, uh, and then the night's watch. Yeah. And then, uh, she's going to be like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you in, but, uh, I, I want to make decisions on who you are by myself. And that's basically all that happens. It's a, yeah, there's a weird, there's well, I, I guess I like that decision thing that you're talking about. She gets, they give her a letter, uh, current, uh, Major Armstrong wrote them a letter earlier. He is her younger brother. He wrote a letter of introduction, basically to, um, to let her know that like they are there on orders, and you know they know her brother. Blah blah blah. Uh, she tears up the letter without reading it and says like I want to make my own determinations about you, uh, which I think is pretty cool. But she's also like super much a hard ass. Like she is very very much like super strict, very kind of stern. Um, And so she's, she, I think partly it's like, I want to be my own person, but partly it is like, I'm not playing by anybody else's rules and I'm not going to let anybody else make a decision for me when I'm in charge here. There's also a weird thing about the wall. The wall's fucking huge. Uh, it, it spans like a giant canyon. It looks like a dam. If you've ever been to a dam in person, they're very, very large. Uh, and, um, you know, kind of noticeable. And there's this like sequence where Ed now fight Chainsaw Man. And then they like realize they're in front of the wall. And there's this like sort of quick zoom camera pan out where they're like, oh shit, there's a wall here. And then they have this conversation with her. And then it turns out that she's like one or two stories up on like a landing of this wall. That's like 12 stories high. And there's another quick camera pan where they're like, Whoa, this wall's so big. And I'm like, why didn't you see this originally? Yeah. It's a huge wall. Like what? I know we didn't see it. And so you're revealing it for the audience, but like they're, they are also clearly reacting like they didn't see it. And I was just like, this is weird. Yeah. You should have noticed it. Yeah. And uh, that's that's the episode. Uh, there's a there's a little stick about uh, Scar's arm, but these episodes were really all about conversation, conversation, conversation. Yeah, and a couple of quick Scar fights. and Marco and May are heading north to find information on Scar's brother's alchemy notes to figure out the secrets of his alchemy arm, and that's happening in the background. But we're, we'll we will indubitably find out more about that later. Yeah. So stick with us after these credits, and we'll talk about what's coming on next time. 
Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, owner and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind. We interrupt your awesome, regularly scheduled programming to ensure you're aware of The Geekly Grind podcast network, of which this show is a treasured member of. If you haven't had a chance to check out our site, you can do so at thegeeklygrind.com, and while you're there, take a look at the other members of our steadily growing podcast family, including the anime-centric Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, discovering new heroes on Comic Book Keepers with Chris and Lance, exploring the vast universe of geekdom with Geeksploration, or appreciating animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. Escape your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Mob Psycho 100, Episodes 7 through 8. Oh, yeah. Uh, were you wondering if uh, they were going to have a sweet new nickname for this phantom character that defeated this leader of a different gang from a different school? Well, get ready to meet White T. Poison, a character that is straight oh. up out of the WWE, I assume. Oh. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it.